We are living in a world where we are overstressed, overworked, overmedicated, and we're allowing anxiety, fear, and depression to run our lives. It's time we take a different kind of prescription to help remove our pain and get us back to living with the energy, focus, and enthusiasm that we all want to have. Every week, I promise to bring you education, strategies, and deep discussions that will help you become more resilient and eradicate stress-induced depression from your life. My name is Ryan Caligiuri, and welcome to The Resilience Prescription. What is going on, everybody? Thank you so much for joining us back on this week's episode of the Cut the Crap Show. You guys have been missing me. It's been a little while, but uh, I'm really, really excited that we're back. We're kicking it back off with a fantastic guest here. We have my man, Jason Womack. He's the author of Your Best Just Got Better, Work Smarter, Think Bigger, and Make More. Jason, how you doing, man? Having a fantastic day. Uh, so excited to be with you and the CTC group and uh, looking forward to bringing some ideas that people can use. Everything yep. I say, I want you to be able to test. test Hell yeah. Test. Hell yeah, baby. That's exactly what I like. And i got to tell you, Jason wrote another book. We're going to get him back on. So if you like this one, and I know you will, don't worry. we got Jason coming back on again in a future episode of the Cut the Crap Show. But uh, because you might not know who Jason is yet, maybe, uh, Jason, take a minute to introduce yourself to uh, Cut the Crap Podcast Nation. Let us know uh, who you are, what you do, and uh, why you wrote this book in the first place. Ah, thank you so much. And you know what? You asked me for a minute, so let me drop 60 seconds. My life has been around figuring out what advice will and won't work. The only way I know to do that is to take the advice that I've been offered or given or provided and then test it, as I said in the introduction. I got my career started as a high school history and Spanish teacher. I quickly got into the world of consulting and coaching. In 2007, my wife and I started our own consultancy, ran around the world doing coaching and advising for recently promoted leaders, recently promoted managers who were always working to improve three areas. And those three areas were productivity, vision casting, and then contribution. And so I wrote Your Best Just Got Better to give folks a field guide. How do you work smart? How do you approach the day as productively as possible? Then how do you build your team? How do you create a future right now that you can step into? And finally, what do you do when you have extra time, extra energy, and extra focus? You give it away. Mm. So that's my background in a nutshell. I'd love to talk about any of those things that are interesting to your listeners and especially you, right? Absolutely. You know, it's um, one of the things that works really well for uh, for guests when they come on the show. Number one, I mean, have a, have a great story. Bring great information and great energy. And I got to tell you, all of you out there in Cut the Crap Podcast Nation, I know how much you love good energy from uh, our, 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 um, our guests. And I'm telling you, Jason, you got great energy, man. I love this. It's great. Mm. Thanks, partner. So in classic fashion, we break this bad boy down into a handful of golden nuggets. So golden nugget number one, which is actually part one of your book, Work Smarter. So at a very high level, 100,000 foot view, tell us what Work Smarter is all about. Introduce us to this concept. So we all have a vision of how the day should go. I mean, the moment that your eyes open, probably even before that, right? As the alarm rings or the sunlight gently kisses your face, (laughs) you wake up in the morning and you start to create a vision of what that day should be, should have, or should do. And so when I think of working smarter, all I'm doing is I'm aligning what I do 
with what I thought what I do should create. And so the first way to know if you're not working as smart as possible is just to ask yourself, how productive was today? How productive was that meeting? How productive was that email that I just clicked send on? And if you ever have that intuitive sense, which, by the way, that's all this is. I mean, I'm from California originally, so everything is intuition. And people always ask me, oh, you're from California. Do you meditate? I, I didn't know we had that, that, I, that, that concept. Um, but look, if you want to work smart, it's going to come down to a couple of very strategic and tactical things. Can I share just three, Ryan? Absolutely. So, so the first one is you got to realize, and I got this from Bruce Lee, so I didn't make uh, most of the stuff I teach. I'm just reporting. Uh, Bruce Lee taught me, he said, well, he wrote because he was passed away, but he said there are 96 blocks of 15 minutes in a day. Now, Ryan, that, that really struck out to me because the concept of looking at something in 15 minutes, that, that's about my attention span, brother. Mm -hmm. I mean, I seriously, you. you give me a book and a couch and you say, go read. I'll make it 15 minutes before I <laughs> self-distract, right? Before I fall off the wagon. I mean, who's ever been reading a book? You're reading a book. You're reading a book. You get to the bottom of the page and have no idea what you just read. I get there all the time, baby. Now, all the I time. <laughs> <laughs> I, and I need to say this, and we're going to record this because this is going to be recorded so people can go back and go, oh, wow, he really did say that. I do not plan my day in 15-minute increments. I'll repeat, I do not plan my day in 15-minute increments. What I do do is review it. Mm. So if I go to a one-hour-long meeting, I'm going to ask myself, was that one-hour meeting worth 496 of my day? Was that mm. meeting worth 4% of my day? If it takes me 30 minutes craft an email solicitation to a potential client, to craft an email query to a potential editor. I got to ask myself, was that email worth 296? Was that email worth 2% mm. of my day? So if I'm going to work smart, I got to understand, A, where is my time going? So I can give you the practical task right here. You're gonna to go to the uh, 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 you're gonna to go to the supply store, the office supply store, or maybe even the the local corner store. And you're gonna go buy one of those 100 packs of note cards. You remember those in college? Mm -hmm. You're gonna take those 100 note cards back to your desk, back to your home, back to your cubicle. You're gonna open the pack of 100 note cards, and you're gonna put four off to the side. That will leave you with 96. Mm -hmm. And then what you do is you start counting. How many 15-minute blocks do you want to sleep at night? How many 15-minute blocks do you want to exercise during the day? How many 15-minute blocks do you commute? How many 15-minute blocks do you eat? How many 15-minute blocks? Mm -hmm. And what you're going to do is you're going to find out, wow, I may not be working as smart as I could or should based on where my time is being used. Mm. That's the first place that I would start. I like that one because it really helps us value our time. I think because we always believe that we have so much time, we have an insurmountable amount of time. I can constantly pull from that bucket of time because it just it never ends. I have countless amounts of time. But by actually putting a number to it, listen, listen, you have 15 minute blocks and you have only 96 of them. So once that 96 is gone or once that you're, you're, you've lost 115, you have 95 and the 94, 93, and it's going to diminish very quickly. So I love this technique because it actually helps you value the time that you do have where most of the time, I don't think we value the amount of time we have. I think we take it for granted. 
So I really love this technique. Love that a lot, Jason. Great pickup. So the, the last thing that I want to say about working smart is uh, there's another tactic that I have. I've, I've walked clients through this in 29 different countries and 47 different states. If I get to run a coaching program, if a company hires me to come in and run one of these management programs, I'm going to have you open a blank piece of paper in your notebook. I'm going to have you write on top of that page, I am at my best when. Mm. And then I'm going to lead you through, and I'm going to do it real quick right here, Ryan, because I would take more time if we had face-to-face or FaceTime. But I'll give you the, 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 the net of this, is if you put on a piece of paper on the top of that page, I am at my best when, there are four different kinds of things that you're going to make a list of that when you do them, when you are them, or when you have them, you're a better version of yourself. And those four areas, in no particular order, they're going to be physical things you do, they're going to be mental things you do, they're going to be social things that you do, and they're going to be spiritual things that you do. Hmm. Now, for those of you listening, I can do word thesaurus on every single one of these. When it comes to physical, they're going to be the things that you do to take care of your physical body. That's rest, movement, and nutrition. Hmm. Look, if I'm going to be at my best today, I need to make sure that I drink enough water, I eat enough protein, carbohydrates, and fats along the way. The next one is the mental. Now, maybe you want to do problem solving. I know people that if they don't solve a problem every couple of days, they get a little jittery almost. Mm-hmm. They get a little bored. So what, what does it do that you do mentally that puts you in a position to be at your best? Number three, I said um, social, maybe the word is emotional or relational or connected. So I know people who are people, people, you do too, Mm -hmm. that if they go through too long during the day and they don't connect with one another, then, well, they may not be at their best that day. Mm -hmm. And then that final one is, I I put spiritual, if that word is is too uh, spiritual for you, then maybe (laughs) put the word foundational or the word purpose. Mm. Or if you take Simon Sinek and his great book, The Why Mm -hmm. of It All. So I am at my best when I make sure to get at least 30 minutes of exercise four days a week. I'm at my best when I solve a problem for a client that she or he will save time because of. I am at my best when I spend time with my wife at the end of the day where we're not just in task mode together, but we're actually Mm. connecting. And I'm at my best when when I believe that what I'm working on is part of the purpose of why I'm on the planet. And look, Ryan, those are just four of mine right now. Right. You all have yours, mm-hmm. and I'd encourage you to make that inventory. Oh, love those takeaways, man. Absolutely love those takeaways. Such strong things to consider uh, when we want to figure out how we can work smarter. Uh, I really love that, Jason. Fantastic takeaways. Let's get into gold nugget number two. And in gold nugget number two, it's all about thinking bigger. How do we think bigger? We all want to know how we can think bigger, come up with better ideas, you know, come up with new ways to 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 um, to accomplish our goals, to fulfill our purpose, to hit our targets. And you talk a lot in this section about something that we talk about in uh, Create Your Eight. It's another program that the audience is very familiar with. We talk about self-efficacy in this one. And you say that as part of thinking bigger, we have to increase our self-efficacy. Tell us a little bit about what self-efficacy is for people who don't know what that is, and then tell us how to increase it, because I love this part of the book. Well, well first up, i got to give two hat tips 
to folks that I've learned about this from. So mm-hmm. Lou Tice out of Seattle, mm-hmm. he was the founder of the Pacific Institute. Uh, he passed away a few years ago. Mm-hmm. I was fortunate enough to be mentored by him. And then Anthony Bandura out of ah, Southern yes. California. Mm-hmm. These were the two folks who I really, when I, when I grabbed on to uh, folks listening to the Cut the Crap podcast, you want to cut the crap, go grab on to people who are known for a single thing that they dedicated their life to that we get to benefit from without having to do the work that they did. I mean, mm-hmm. goodness gracious. So first off, hat, hat tip to those two guys. When I think self-efficacy, I replace it, thesaurus, I replace it with, I think I can. Mm. Now, before we start talking about thinking bigger, casting your vision out. Uh, We need to be environmentally conscious. We need to be environmentally aware. If I'm sitting in front of a younger person, so I'm I'm approaching 50 here. If I sit in front of a younger person, maybe someone half my age, just graduated college, they grew up in a completely different world than I did, I cannot ask them, so where do you see yourself in 10 years? (laughs) Okay, that's what they ask us. And it barely worked for my generation. See, the thing about thinking big, most people don't know how anymore. Mm -hmm. The first thing that we need to recognize is you have unconscious biases to thinking any bigger than you already think. So I surround myself by people. I call them my visionaries, Ryan. I surround Mm -hmm. myself by people who add zeros to things when I'm talking. So I'll walk up to someone and say, Hey, uh, I just got a, I, I got, I got a, uh, a pitch into a journal. I'm going to write a 500-word article on how people can start meetings more effectively. Mm. Well, my friend is going to say, hey, let's make this a 50,000-word PDF. <laughs> we'll put it on Amazon, and we'll charge $9.99 for it. I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. I just wanted to write a 500-word article. <laughs> so – So I I say that because we are as self-efficacious as we have to be to have what we have right now. Mm -hmm. Our job is to spend spend time with people who are as comfortable as we are in our level of thinking at their level of thinking. Mm -hmm. It's why regularly I hang around people who have more than I do. Mm -hmm. And we'll get to that as the third takeaway Mm -hmm. from this. But because I hang around with people who have do and be more than I have do or be, then all of a sudden it lets myself think, Mm. huh, if they could have more, if they could feel worthy, if they could step into a bigger vision, maybe I could too. Mm -hmm. You are, what was it, that, that old quote, you are the sum of the five people that you hang around with most. And I I love that. I learned that. Right. I learned that from Jim Rohn, and oh. he learned it from his mentor. That's right. His mentor probably learned it from his mentor. Mm-hmm. It's been around uh, for it's again, been it's been I mean, around forever, man. It's been around forever, but forever. Nothing new. Nothing no. new under the sun, right? It's nothing new, but still, it's novel for some people because we forget about that. We hang around with people who maybe bring us down or who don't lift us up, but we constantly need reminders of that because it's very easy to fall into a trap of hanging out with people who maybe bring us down. Because sometimes we like to talk about, you know, ah, this is what's going on in my life, and this is terrible, and oh, this is really bad, and then we get into a competition of who's got it worse. And for some reason, we love to hang around with some people like that. Well, I don't. I've trained myself to not hang around with people like that. Not 
to say I'm special. I just stopped liking having those conversations. I don't like to have those conversations anymore. But it's so important to hang around with people who are going to elevate you, who are going to promote you, who are going to bring you higher. Um, Sometimes it's intimidating, yes, but this is what life's about. It's about growth. It's about progress. It's about achievement. So hang around with people who are going to elevate you. And that to me is, that's the fun part, man. It opens up so many opportunities. The, the, the group that you hang out with will complain to the level allowed. Mm. I know that I can create a conversation by walking into an environment and saying something like, can you believe the weather today? Can you imagine how much traffic there's going to be on the way home? And you talk about that latest sports game. And you know what? We'll talk at the level allowed. Yeah. So I'm the guy, my known for, and when we talk about the next book, if we get that chance, I'll talk about this. But my known for is that I regularly change the topic of conversations that I'm bored with. Mm. My friends actually will ask me during a conversation, the ones that know me really well, they'll lean across the table and they'll say, hey, JW, will you change the conversation? We don't like this one anymore. <laughs> Why? Because they're not comfortable doing it and they know that I have no qualms about it. It's the T of my ENTJ. Mm. All right? I don't always feel how people will feel i just think that hey maybe we could be talking about something a little bit bigger than Mm -hmm. we currently have you're an entj as well oh my god you put both of us together we got trouble man i'm telling you he's in a pod (laughs) that's right (laughs) that's awesome man no this this whole concept of think bigger is very important because i think that we get stuck in a trap of thinking too small We don't think we can accomplish that big goal. Oh, that goal's too big for me. You know, when I do a goal-setting workshop with my clients... Uh, you know, we, we want to accomplish what um, over over something over the next, you know, one, three, five, ten, twenty years. Say, so, you know, what's what's your big time vision? A lot of the times we have we don't suspend disbelief. We don't we, we always believe that we're not capable of something where now I say, listen, I want you to be like a kid on Christmas Day where I want you to say like, you know, instead of one pool, a kid's going to say, listen, I want two pools. And I know instead I want three pools and I want this big hot tub. But if you're an adult, what do you say? A pool? Be lucky if you get a uh, like a tub in the backyard. Like, no, we just we, we think less than we potentially can achieve. That's unfortunate because life is so grand and some people might think it's corny, but it's not corny. Set a goal and work towards it. Think bigger. And so I love the fact that you put focus on that in this book. And I love that self-efficacy brought itself um, up because when you start to focus on achieving your goals, self-efficacy, man, it's everything. It's everything. Um, so I really love that. But a nice piece here that I really want you let to focus. Yeah, yeah, talk. go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Before we get to the next one. Yeah, I want to hear that. Not even not even two minutes. So watch the clock, folks that are listening here. Um, when you think of self-efficacy, you think about the belief. Here's how I think about it. The belief that I can. A way to believe that I can is to spend time around people who could and did. Mm. Now, here's where it gets weird. Most people think that they need to spend time with people who could and did that they know. And someone will say something to me like, well, I don't know any rich CEOs. I don't know any Mm. influential executive directors. I don't know any mentors that I can talk to. Uh, Excuse me. That's why books exist. That's why TED Talks exist. Mm -hmm. That's why conferences exist. There are three kinds of people, and I'll spend the last 60 seconds on this. There are three (laughs) kinds of mentors I will learn from. 
They're the mentors that I know. These are the ones that I can text message, they'll reply, I call, they pick up, I email a calendar invite, and they accept or they give me a different date to meet. Those are the folks that generally people think of when they think mentor. The second kind of mentor is the mentor that I learned from I haven't met yet, okay? I haven't met Chris Anderson yet. He's the CEO of TED. I haven't met Oprah Winfrey yet, all right? I haven't met um, uh, Bill Gates yet. However, all of these folks are leaving goodness behind. They're making videos. They're making books. They're making magazines. Yes. And that leads me to the third one, the mentors I will not meet. I have learned more from Bruce Lee. I have learned more from Richard Feynman. I have learned more from Abraham Lincoln than I have from some teachers I paid in college. That's right. So let yourself be self-efficacious by learning how other people could and did to further develop that, that, that belief that you can. Oh. Man, that's such a beautiful point. I'm glad you took the two minutes out to make that point because so far in this interview, that's one of my favorite points from this 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 whole interview, man. That's a great takeaway. And I always say that with people where today they say, you know, I, I don't have a great circle. And listen, like this podcast is an example of that. Like follow Jason Womack, follow myself, like follow him on Twitter, follow him on Facebook, follow his books, read his books, watch his videos, listen to the Cut the Crap show. Like there is... At any point in time in history, has it never been easier to follow people, mentors that you can learn from? Never. And so it's up to you. You decide. Who do you want to hang around with? Who do you want to invite into your circle? I love that, man. Love that. Um, Something I do want to talk about here before we move on to the last golden nugget here is you do talk a lot about tracking with regards to Think Bigger. So how do we track and why do we want to track? And what are we tracking? Gosh, th- this is going to open up a Pandora's box. I'm, I'm tempted. <laughs> yeah, I'm tempted to, to, to give just a couple of comments on this, mm-hmm. um, but we could probably dedicate half a show just to tracking. <laughs> but here's, here, here's, here's how I'll say it. Um, we, we tend to remember what wasn't done. We tend to reflect on what is unfinished, and we tend to worry about what is still yet to do. What we don't do a great – and by we, I mean the human race. The brain was right. designed to forget what was finished and remember what is not. That's how we were built, mm-hmm. okay? So tracking to me is the most subjective, objective way I know of to realize how far I've come and how different I am. Now, you notice I said subjective, objective. It's objective right. because when I track, I write something down. I tick a mark. I mm-hmm. click a radio button. Mm-hmm. Uh, on my phone, I'll just swipe to that really fast so I get it exactly right. On my phone, Ryan, I have a box that has eight Google Forms mm-hmm. that are links on my iPhone. Mm. I have one. I'll just pull it up here. I have one. It's called At the End of the Day. Hmm. And it's got eight sections. One of the sections is What Time Am I Leaving the Office? One of the sections is, who did I learn more about today? Mm. One of the sections is, what did I write today? You see, what happens is when I open up that little icon and I go to that Google form and I click the radio button and I type in someone's name and I type in a topic, at the end of 30 days, I have 30 days of data. Mm. If I look back and I go, wow, I learned about Bob 18 days out of the past 30 hey, there's some objective information that I got Bob down. Let's go learn about Susan. Mm -hmm. So unless you are tracking, I mean, look, I don't mean to be the bad guy, but unless you're tracking, stop complaining. Mm. Strong point. Strong point. I don't know, man. It's, 
again, it comes down to us taking for granted the time that we have and not paying attention. You know what it is? It comes down to autopilot, man. Like we talk about this all the time on the show, but autopilot is so dangerous. And the fact that we allow our brains to just kind of flow through the day. We don't have a plan. We're not, we don't evaluate our day. We don't track the amount of minutes in the day, you know, and, and as a result of that, we tend to lose control. And when we lose control, again, control being one of the four major pillars of building resilience, when you lose control, you feel less resilient, you feel weaker, you might feel more anxious. And so by tracking, it allows you to go back over your day to see what you accomplished, to give you a little bit more control throughout your day. Um, So what kind of tips do you give for people real quick who are saying, hey, like uh, Jason, you know, as far as tracking is concerned, what can I do to start tracking in my day? There's probably a million things you can make mention of, but maybe pull out one or two little tidbits that you can give to uh, listeners today that will help them uh, as they try to take control of their days and they, they start tracking. Gosh, I'm, I'm going to perform organizational jujitsu on you. <laughs> um, I don't care what you track. I need you to track it. Mm. So if you're, if you're waiting for someone to tell you what to track, then why are you giving up control? Folks listening, you know where you're at at control. So why don't you start by tracking how out of control you are in those areas Mm. and how often you do that. Put a tick mark next to every time you click snooze. Mm. Put a tick mark on on every time you eat after you've been hungry and you feel like you stuffed yourself. Put a tick mark next to every time you over-respond to your partner, spouse, or kid or under-respond to your partner, spouse, or kid because of unfinished business on the day and you brought homework or work home. I don't care what you track, track it. You know what you're, you know where you're about to go out of control and that's not the first time. Hmm. This idea of tracking absolutely everything. It really comes down to, I mean, when we talk about finances with, with my clients and being able to track your finance, I say, start with the money you have. Listen, Ryan, like I'm in mad debt. Like, what does it matter if I start to track? No, just track so you can get into the habit of tracking. Because again, autopilot is such a dangerous thing. But if you're not in the habit of tracking, you're not going to start. If you don't start, you're, you're, what are you waiting for? The perfect opportunity doesn't exist. So start tracking where you are. I don't care what it is. Track how many days you work out. Track how many negative thoughts you have in a day. Track whatever it is. Pick something to start tracking, to start building the habit of paying closer attention to the day. Very simple, but not so simple because you're building a new habit. But I love that takeaway. Really love that takeaway. So... I want to wrap this thing up as we dig into our last golden nugget, and it's a big one, man. It's a big one. Make more. So again, if we want to make more time, we want to make more money, we want to make more opportunities, we want to make more uh, more memories, it requires us to follow something that Tony Robbins always always says, canny, constant never-ending improvement. And one way to do that is through feedback. So talk to us about the importance of feedback and why feedback is so important for us to make more. So right before we do that, for any of you who have not purchased the book yet, first off, I can email anybody a free PDF of chapter one. So I don't want you to feel like I'm selling anything right now. Uh, If you want to get started, just email me. It's jason at getmomentum.com. And Ryan, I'll give everybody the first uh, chapter. Wiley gave that to me to give away. Awesome. Perfect. I'll put that in the show notes. Thanks so much for that, by the way, man. That's awesome. Here's why it's important. 
if you go get the book right now, you're going to see the title is Your Best Just Got Better, and then you're going to see the three subtitles. It's going to say Think Bigger, Work Smarter, Achieve More. Now, Ryan, your copy probably says Make More. <laughs> it does, yeah. Here's the deal. <laughs> when I first published the book, it was Work Smart, Think Big, Make More. Mm. Well, here was the deal. Whenever I told people the third subtitle, they, there was a look in their eye. There was a smirk on their face. Because they thought that I wanted them to make more. Somebody help me out. More money. <laughs> that is the 12th rich mm. that I read about in Napoleon Hill's Think and Grow Rich. Mm-hmm. There was richness of health, richness of love, richness of community, richness of faith, richness of. And then way down at the bottom was richness of cash. Mm-hmm. So it took me two years of working with my publisher. We changed the title to Achieve More. The reason that I took 90 seconds to establish that foundation, when it comes to feedback, the only way that I'm going to go get feedback is if I have stated, not kind of, not maybe, not a little, but I need to go to my market, my community, my family, my friends and my coworkers, my clients, and I say, hey, gang, here is the list of things that I want to achieve more of. Hmm. I want to to achieve more days of vacation with my wife. I want to achieve more photo albums mm. up on my shelf of year to year. I want to achieve more speeches at nonprofit organizations. I give away one speech a month to a nonprofit. Nice. There's there's a long list of things that I want to make achieve more of. Until you're clear with what you want more of, and by the way, fine, you know, I want more money. Great, that's one. I want the next ninety nine things that you want more of. And I don't want you to sit down and show me your 100 things that you want more of until you've showed your spouse, until you've showed your parents, until you've showed your college teacher or your mentor, until you've shown the person that's going to look at those things and go, got it. Or as they say in the military, copy. How can we help you get more of the things that you want more of? Now I can start to talk about feedback. Ryan, there's four kinds of feedback that we can offer and we can get. How much time do we have before we have to wrap this podcast up? Oh, we got the time. We got the time. Don't worry, we'll make it. Okay. What I want, because those of you listening, I don't want, I don't want you to go away because you're done because we might drop a nugget. So let me <laughs> let me go through these. There are four kinds of feedback that I can ask for: informal or formal subjective or objective. And I go through all four of these in chapter eight of the book, Your Best Just Got Better. But the formal feedback, that's going to be the feedback that's going to, quote, go on the record. Okay, so if you work for a company or if you work with clients, formal feedback to and from one another, uh, that's, that's written, it's documented, it's usually got a signature down in the bottom. Informal feedback, that's the stuff in between the lines. That's the stuff where it shows up either intuitively or over a cup of coffee with a buddy in the morning or a drink at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. Then we move uh, – I'll, I'll probably come back to all four of these, mm-hmm. but I just want to establish each one. The objective feedback, that goes back to tracking, Ryan. That's the trackable. That, that, that is the measurable. That is the people can see it. So, for example, if I were looking for formal objective feedback, I'd go check my balance at my ITM, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Put the ATM card in there, hit the four digits, and click balance check. 
formal, mm-hmm. objective. Can't argue with it. Then we get to subjective. The subjective, generally, I could substitute the feeling, uh, the word feeling right there. So now all of a sudden, you can look at your calendar over the next week and you can ask yourself, who am I going to spend some time with and how can I ask them for informal or formal subject or objective feedback? Hmm. The One more thing that I just want to say about that chapter, if you're reading the chapter on feedback, is when I wrote that chapter, I wrote it from the perspective of the woman or man in the mirror, not the woman or man looking out the window. What does that mean? It means I want you to go find the feedback for you before you practice giving feedback to somebody else. Hmm. Plenty of books out there exist on how to give feedback, radical candor, getting to yes, Mm -hmm. negotiations. I couldn't find, this is back in 2011 when I wrote that book, I couldn't find a lot of books that were written to five things. Number one, realize it's time to ask for feedback from someone who could give it to me, to practice with what they gave me, and to report back on what they told me to do. Mm -hmm. Those five things are very mature. Mm -hmm. Most people won't look in the mirror and say, I need to ask for feedback from mm, people. Right. Then, if they do know that, they don't know what kind or how to frame the feedback. I can go out to dinner for a long run with a buddy and go, hey, buddy, subjectively, informally, when you and your wife went to dinner with me and my wife, how did you see me talk to my wife over dinner? I'm curious hmm. what your perception was of how we're getting along. Hmm. Dude, do you know how much maturity that conversation takes? A lot. You got to put the ego aside for that. And trust and culture and vulnerability and all these important words, man. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, man. Absolutely. This idea of feedback is something that I, I, I don't think we seek out enough because maybe we're scared. Right? Maybe we're scared of the feedback that we're going to get. We don't like to receive negative feedback, but... You know, if we go back to uh, even Lencioni and the five dysfunctions of a team, where at the base you have trust. If you have trust, you can have conflict. And sometimes if you have feedback, if you're not able to put aside that ego, you might have conflict. But it's okay to have conflict. It's okay to have debate. But sometimes it's really important for you just to take a step back and listen and take that feedback and do with it what you will. But as far as I know, man, all the all my mentors, all the greats that I have, have gone through through my life, they're all very good at taking feedback and they seek it out. And there's various forms of feedback as you've given exactly. us. You've, you've given us exactly. so much to think about here with regards to feedback. And I really hope that uh, Cut the Crap Nation, I hope that you all definitely heed some of Jason's advice there and some of his guidance. Uh, but as we finish this one up, I want to cover off one more quick point here. And it's um, something you and I actually talked about previously and around the focus to finish. And, you know, you got the stop and do tactic where, you know, a task should take so little time and effort that it just makes sense to go ahead and do it. Uh, You know, this approach can uh, really help you get a lot done. Then you have the stop, think, and bunch, and then do method when you feel you need to accumulate all your necessary tasks and group them into categories of activities that you can then dispatch all at once. But then you mentioned something that uh, I wasn't familiar with before, and this was the focus line. What's the focus line? Bottom line, when you're about to work on something, what I want you to do is sit down and ask yourself, while I'm working on this, how often and for how long each time would I like to be interrupted? Hmm. So you're about to sit down and work on something. You ask yourself, while I'm working on this thing, how often 
and for about how long each time do I want to be interrupted? And then tell the people that you work around or tell your email system or tell your phone alerts. So if I have a half an hour, it's going to take me to write an email and I tell the people around me or I tell my email uh, synchronization system or I tell my phone, hey, uh, let's see, I'm about to write a 30-minute email. I would like you all to interrupt me every 10 minutes with whatever you want. Hmm. Perfect. Versus, hey, uh, I'm going to go write a 30-minute email. Could you hold the interruptions for 30 minutes? And then I'll come out and we can work on that. I'll check my email inbox or I'll turn my alerts back on my phone. Mm. Here's what I know, Ryan. If I'm working on something that's going to take me 30 minutes, but I tell the people I work with, my email system or my phone, to interrupt me every 10 minutes, it's not going to take me 30 minutes to write that email. It might take me 50 minutes over two days. <laughs> that's when someone comes in at the 10th minute and go, oh, good, you're here. I'm going to interrupt you. And you turn and you take the interruption, and then that interruption ruins your day, stresses you out, pulls you off course. You save the email as a draft. You forget about it, and next thing you know, it's 9.47 at night. You're about to go to bed after you did your yoga, and you think, oh, shoot, I forgot to send that email. And then you say the lie. I didn't have enough time. Mm. It wasn't about time. You fell off the focus line. Mm -hmm. So, look, all of this stuff that I teach, everything that I write about, you are in control. Whether you give it away or not is up to you. And I know what someone's thinking. I know what you're thinking. Yeah, but I work in an organization where I can't tell people to not interrupt me for 30 minutes at a time. <laughs> Great. You have a one-year-long project to get out of that job. Because mm. if you don't work somewhere where you can facilitate your own focus, then my question is, where do you think you're going to be in five years? Well, you take the stress you're under right now and how you feel at the end of the day, and you multiply that by 60 months. Mm. 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 Man, that focus line is key. And it's something that I think... I folk, I have a tough time with, honestly, I think that we all have a tough time with that. And so by making this a discipline, by making it habit, we're going to be able to take greater control of our days. We're going to be able to get more done. We're going to feel the feelings of achievement, of making progress. And man, that's going to go a long way to building our resilience. I love that, man. That was Jason Womack, my friend. And that was his book, Your Best Just Got Better. Work smarter, think bigger, make not more. Achieve more, actually. <laughs> I got I to get the updated book, man. I got the old book. Listen, I got to get a new one. What's wrong with me? <laughs> it's been sitting on my bookshelf too long. That's the problem. But, my man, it was uh, an absolute pleasure having you on the show. And uh, thank you so much for bringing all of your uh, all of your knowledge, all the insights to us. And I know that uh, this is going to help my audience, the Cut the Crap Nation, um, get better at whatever it is that they're doing. So before we sign off here, um, what are you working on these days, man? And uh, how can people get in touch with you? How can they reach out to you if they want to uh, learn more about what you're doing or follow you along and see what what you are up to? Uh, that second one is easy enough. Just go Google Jason Womack. If you want to follow on Twitter or Facebook or LinkedIn or all of those things, uh, let's keep the conversation going. More important than that, what am I working on these days? Mm. I'm working on getting great stuff to people who need it. Everybody who just listened to this podcast, you tell a friend or two, Ryan, this is the stuff that you can't do, but I can for you. Tell your friends about the Cut the Crap show. Please, if this episode helped you at all, give it to a buddy. Burn it to a CD, forward the link to someone. What I'm working on is this. 
there are a few people on the planet who are here to make it a better place, we have to band together. Left to our own devices, it's not going to get as better or good as we know it can. We have to help one another out. So what am I working on these days? I want to help a friend. Oh, I love that, man. I love that. Great way to finish this up, Jason. And I'm telling you, Cut the Crap Nation, if you loved hearing this interview, don't worry. Jason and I are going to be back on again talking about his next book. But uh, Jason, man, thank you so much for coming on the show today. It was an absolute pleasure. Take care, brother. Have a great night, everybody. Thank you.